0: I want to open up with a story, take you back, and uh, if if you have a panic attack because of this, just like hold somebody's hand near you. Hopefully I won't send anybody for extra counseling this week, but I want to take you back to the first day of high school. First day of high school. Now, I'm actually gonna be talking, in my mind, I'm referring to my first day of 10th grade because I went to Groveport, Groveport Cruisers, and uh, we had a ninth grade building and then the high school with 10th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. So that's when I'm picturing, but for most of y'all, it was your first day of your freshman year and you're going to school, and what was the most important thing you were worried about? Maybe lunch. How much time did you spend picking out what you were going to wear? One hour? Two hours? That was just that morning, right? Doing, doing uh, hair, and, hair and makeup for some of you ladies. And, um, and so, yeah, I was keyed up. And, uh, and, and so you have all of this anxiety, and you're going into it. And I can remember going uh, to, you know, to the big school, and it's like, oh, my gosh, big time. Here goes Adam Donnell, and uh, Lookout World, and... I was, uh, believe it or not, I was a shy kid, and uh, I don't know what happened, but um, the the extrovert uh, came out of the introvert or something, but I was pretty shy, had some uh, good friends here at youth group, um, but I just had a few really at school, and uh, my best friend uh, that, that we had spent some time together was also going into the 10th grade, but we weren't in the same lunch. So, the, so somebody said lunch. Like, the next thing you do is you figure out which one of your friends, and all the kids do this at every age, who, hopefully you end up with a friend in your class, hopefully you, you end up with somebody that you like that doesn't have, like, you know, that isn't a mutant, you know, to sit with at, at uh, maybe you are the mutant, I don't know. And you sit with them at lunch, right? And so picture this, and this is where you're going to feel bad for Pastor Adam. And, uh, and, and so I walk in to the cafeteria, You guys know what that feels like. Is anybody having tremors right now? Did your breathing, like, did your heart rate just go? Like, you're looking around the room. What are you worried about? Where am I gonna sit? And like the dream scenario is like this, like group of amazing people just says, "Hey, Adam, save your seat." And then your nightmare is. let me tell you, because it came true. Uh, No, it wasn't quite that bad. But I remember walking through the cafeteria and scanning the room, and you're just looking for somebody that you have, like, a connection to. And like I said, I did have, like, three friends, like, including my mom. So, like, uh, like, so, but, like, I wasn't friends with, like, a whole group. Does that make sense? Like, I was friends with a skater. I was friends with a couple of football players. I was friends with, you know, so then your options are, really limited, because you're walking by, and it's like, nope. Well, first of all, I was scared to death of girls, and so half the, half the tables was immediately off limits, like, <laughs> you know, and then I'm looking at the others, like, too big, you know, and, and uh, you know, too scary, and, uh, and then, no, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons every night of my life, uh, which has been replaced with Fortnite, just for, you know, the record, and, um, and so, like, I'm moving around, and it's like, and you don't want to be, like, like nobody wants you to like be like their extra at lunch like they're just happy that they found a seat at their table you are not jumping in on their claim so it's like i can remember looking around the room and there was no table for me oh we're in week 2 of a series called identity crisis this series is, is, is about facing the core fears that are blocking our true identity. And last week we started with I Am Loved. We talked about the fear of not being needed and, and, and how that keeps us from, from really settling in and understanding that, that we're loved to begin with and that God doesn't need us. He chooses to be in a relationship with us. And so, so this week I want to talk about this, this thing about not belonging because or trying to fit in because we've all been there. And so I had gone to a lot of trouble to make sure that I looked nice that day. Okay, I'm going to find out who my people are this morning. If I say Zach and Slater, do you know who I'm talking about? Okay, if I, that's saved by the bell. <clears throat> if I say Will and Carlton, do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, because that's uh, born and raised. You know, okay, fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? So my like style would have been like if you could like throw Zach and Fresh prints in a blender, like, because I was a hip-hop, like, dork, but, like, I wasn't willing to, like, like, completely sell out, like, I was, like, that was my, like, tried to be that way, but then, like, bright colors, all my jeans were nice and stonewashed, you know, and, of course, I wanted Guess or Z Cavarici, if you don't know what those names are, it's because there's some new things in style, and I can remember going to the store, like, that was when you, like, finally insisted, like, Mom, you're not coming with me anymore. Like, we're staying out of Granimals. I'm not going to. Uh, so the problem was is the money that bought you four outfits at J.C. JCPenney's Outlet, anybody say amen? The same money that bought you four outfits there bought you a pants and two shirts, a pair of pants at, like, Eastland Mall or City Center if I want to go way back. But I preferred City Center because they had Structure and a couple other brands that I liked. So I had my Structure jeans. My favorite sweatshirt in all the world was made by Bum Equipment, B-U-M. Anybody remember that? I had this maroon sweatshirt that was just the dopest thing. I mean, I was fresh to death. I was just, you know, I won't do that ever again. I'm sorry. I felt good about this. But what was I thinking about when I bought all of that, all those clothes? It was how is this going to help me? I mean, I liked him, but why did I like him? Because everybody else liked him, right? And so we've all been there. We've all, we've all tried to fit in. We've all wrestled with this place of trying to find a table. And, and we can remember, even still today, if you walk into a conference or as an adult or you go somewhere and you're like, you have that same feeling all over again, like, uh, somebody please hey, Adam, I saved you a seat. Like, there's nothing feels better in the world than somebody saying, oh, I thought it was somebody else. Like, terrible, right? I read this from uh, one writer. She said, sometimes my maturity is overridden by an insecure teenage girl that still just wants to fit in. One of the hardest parts of life is feeling the fear of not fitting in. And I can remember uh, like we had it bad like we we were pre amazon right and and pre like next day delivery so that meant you had to not only like you might want something you had to figure out who had it and then if you heard a rumor of who sold what you wanted then you had to con your poor mother to drive you there we went to the weirdest shoe stores around town because i wanted like like, I wanted the stuff that the hip hop guys were wearing. I wanted fila and troop, and if you don't know what those means, it's because you were whiter than me, it's okay. So, we would go I mean, I would take my mom down, to, I mean, we would go crazy places trying to find like the British knights I was looking for and the certain things and, and, and all of are right? I remember, did anybody chase down the fat shoelaces, like the ones with the colors? We went to 10 stores like trying to find ones. And I mean, this was the the stuff we do to try. And this doesn't stop because the last time I was in a pickup line at school, all the cars are the same. I live in a neighborhood where all the houses are the same. Right? We're trying so hard. And, and in these fears, we're talking about you can recognize a fear you struggle with by if it's an area that you're, you're either constantly trying to prove yourself or constantly trying to hide yourself. So places where you either pull back or places where you overcompensate. And so if you are struggling, if you have a fear of not belonging, then that means you are just trying to constantly prove that you belong wherever you're at. So you're name dropping or you uh, you're talking about all of the things you've done or, or whatever else. You are just trying to make sure that people see your credentials to be there. And, and you're like, you know, I'm friends with so-and-so, and, and yeah, 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 I had the big weekend. And, and you're just constantly, or you pull back and you're wallflower. Like, I'm just going to, you can't really see me because I'm, not, I'm going to make sure that nobody sees me so that you don't remind me that I don't fit in. So if you uh, are constantly proving or constantly hiding in this area, this would be a fear that God wants to set you free from. And Jesus understands this, because he knew that authentic belonging will always be accommod- accompanied by the feeling that you can be who you really are. And you will actually want to be, because we all want to be Like, we we want that inner self. We want the real person to to be able to be present. And as soon as we feel safe, real Adam can show up. And anywhere else where I have one of these fears activated, then I'm I'm, I'm showing something or I'm, I'm, I'm pulling one part of me back or I'm trying to overcompensate from something else. Does that make sense? And Jesus, he didn't... He didn't struggle with the fears, but he understood what this was. Because guess what? He knew he didn't belong. He knew he didn't belong. He went to places where he didn't fit in. Every place that he went to, this was heaven coming to earth. He was like, he didn't fit. And yet, he could be around everything because he wasn't on the outside looking in. He was on the outside looking up. I stole that from somebody else, but I'm going to say it again. He wasn't on the outside looking in, which is how we tend to feel. Hello, right? First time you came into this building, thank you for staying. Thank you for coming back. But the first time you came into this building, you would have had some angst. You would have had some feelings, and you still might be feeling that way of, I don't know if I really fit in here yet. But Jesus knew that he wasn't on the outside looking in. He knew that he was looking up for where he belonged. Being in, and this would be a a key point here, being in is not something to achieve, it's something to receive. And so, so much of our life, so much of our energy is just trying to get in. I want to fit here. I want to make it here. I want to be recognized here. And we just, you know, if I could only... this great life is just in this other neighborhood. This great life is just at, that other, at this higher position at my company. This, this, if I could just be with that group of friends, then I would have the people that I need to get through life. You see what I'm saying? There's like, you, you're not at peace because you're constantly trying to find where you can settle down and so being in is not something to achieve but something to receive why can i say that because psalm 33 5 says this it says the unfailing love of the lord fills the earth i want to say that in a different translation sometimes i just love the message bible and and the pictures that it gives it says this it says the earth is drenched in god's affectionate satisfaction If the earth is full, if the earth is drenched with God's love, then we just need to receive it. And it really is there for everybody. So it's not something to achieve, it's something to receive. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 today. A few verses right at the beginning, if you want to go there on your phones, or if you actually brought something that has paper in it, turn to there. I still like opening up this thing. It's awesome. Ephesians 1, I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 6. If a couple people are there, say, I'm there. Awesome. I'm there. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Wow. Ephesians is a great book to read about uh, for identity. There's some... There's, It's just stated over and over again on on the things that are available to us because of being in Christ. But we open up with this phrase in verse 3 that says, blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I was reading in a commentary that, that the best blessings cannot make us miserable. What's that mean? Well, I'm blessed with a house but my water heater is leaking. That's annoying. It means I'm really close to having to spend $400 and drag out my old crappy water heater and buy a new one and drag it down the stairs and pray that I can get it connected and that I won't have leaks. Like, it's like the one, one of the few things I will do in the, in, in, that, in the plumbing part of the house. So the house is a blessing, but... Anybody that owns a house can tell you, like, it makes you crazy. Cars are a blessing, make you crazy. A job is a blessing, makes you crazy. Uh, Everything. When you get to the gifts from heaven, what God gives will never make you miserable. And it says that every good gift, every heavenly gift is made available to us. And so I love the things that come and are part of this physical planet Earth. I enjoy it. I, I like, Like I said, I like my house. I like driving my car fast. But the things from heaven, when God gives me something, when He gives me hope, when He gives me peace, when He gives me joy, when He gives me um, just these things, they are perfect as, as nothing else can be that, that, that we're surrounded by on this planet. Everything else will come with some sort of angst or, or negative side to it. And so this opens up and says, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And in that same verse 3, it says, because we're united with Christ. And so our doorway to living in God's presence, to living with the flow of these heavenly gifts in our lives begins by trusting Jesus with our hearts. It begins by placing ourselves in his hands and saying that you're the one that's leading and not me. And yes, my life has been a constant process of of taking the, the controls back and giving them back to him and like, oh my gosh, I'm going off a cliff. Take them again, Lord. Or I went off the cliff and fixed me up and get me back going and, 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 and back and forth. But, but I have set my life into God's hands and, and it's my intention to live my life in Christ. And that's what triggers this availability of God to just release these things into my life. Some people are great with dates about when things happen. I just have one big blur, the 40th four years before today, like I, I can just, I can morph like years, you know, and probably my first day of, of school that I referenced was probably like three different first days of schools. It's just the way I remember things. But this, these verses can tell you when God decided to love you. Did you catch that in verse four? It says, even before he made the world, he loved us. Even before he made the world, he loved us. We can look back and we can see a stamp. We don't know when that moment was, but we can see where it places in history. And all I know is thousands of years before today. Like, God chose to love me. He chose to make a place for me. We have here the date of this act of love is before the foundation of the world. Verse 4 says, God loved us and chose chose us in Christ to be holy. Holy. Now, I grew up, I've, I've taught on this before, this word holy. It does mean to be set apart. So if something is like consecrated as holy, that means you've blessed it and said this is God's. So it's, one, it's one of the reasons why, uh, why Christians believe in tithing is because the, the Lord teaches, the Bible teaches that if we will consecrate, we basically consecrate all of our money by giving God the first. And, and so it's a way of setting aside something as belonging to him. And so it's an act of reminding myself that all of this is His, and and so if and I went through I just when I dedicated my life to the Lord, I said, God, I, I want to be set apart for You, and I'm far from a holy, like a perfect person, believe me. And those of you closest to me have seen the dark side, but I set myself apart for God, and any time that that I pull pieces of me back that's when I get into trouble but another understanding of the word holy is to be whole and so anything that is set aside as unto the Lord it becomes a complete thing like it becomes healthy and 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 fully there and so so for me and uh, to, to be be holy in Christ also means that I am whole and so much of our life pursuing a place where we are trying to fit in where we're trying to belong this lack of peace in our life if if you are anxious you're not feeling whole and until you know where you belong you will not feel whole has anybody felt that before like you you are restless you might be restless today like I just don't know where I land I don't really quite settle in in any group I, I my friendships don't really, if they get close, then they end, or I just, you know, everything kind of, I'll have this kind of uh, really high experience with a new job, and and then things unravel as soon as things get serious, and relationships are like that, and it's like you just don't know how to settle in someplace, and if you're really blind, you'll blame it on everybody else, and sure, people are hurting you along the way, and other people are not making it easy. But that begins on the inside because you're just simply not whole. Jesus was a whole person and he could be in any context and he was never anxious. He always belonged wherever he went because he knew who he belonged to. Does that make sense? So he could be in the temple surrounded by the religious people that hated him. He could be in a sinner's home that, that, and, and surrounded by people struggling, like full-on struggling with the sins in their life. He could be hanging out with his disciples. He could be in the prayer garden. He could be on the cross getting just literally like executed, murdered. And he was whole at the whole, entire time. And God wants us to get to that place. And so verse 5 says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Now, I've been around um, a lot of people who are adopted or or who have adopted. And I just just think it's a wonderful physical picture of, of what God does for us. Now, my experience with with every uh, working with youth and working with with adults is that any person who has been adopted will have a struggle to face that struggle is why didn't somebody want me and I'm not like I don't want to bring back the fountain of tears or, or take you know I don't want to take you to a dark place but like that's a that's a question because it's like I didn't fit here and and yet if they could see or hear the louder voice that says somebody like literally went and said I want you and from my experience the people that go through the adoption process like it's difficult it's expensive it's more time-consuming than a nine-and-a-half-month pregnancy. Like, and sometimes they're waiting for the nine-and-a-half-month pregnancy on top of all the time to get the adoption papers and on top of all the money. So my counsel or my encouragement is to somebody who's been adopted is, oh, my gosh, somebody went to a ton of trouble to get you. And that voice should always be the loudest one of you belong here. But we all have to wrestle with that question, and this says that God chose us in advance. He didn't wait to see. Let me see how this one turns out. I don't know about this one. Ooh, well I got a little extra space, so why not? Or you know I'm, I'm throwing a three for one deal, you know. So no, it's not god chose in advance to adopt us and you talk about paying a price
1: he gave up
0: one son to die to have it says that jesus would be the firstborn of many children and and the way god does this is you're never a second class kid right? You just got everything. It says that we have the same inheritance. And, and, and no matter what you've done in your past compared to what I've done in mine, no matter uh, how long you've been with Jesus compared to how long I have or somebody else, we have the same inheritance. We have the same access. We have the same benefit of all these heavenly blessings. And God says, I want to give this to you. I want to love you. I want you to belong. It finishes there. It says that it's what he wanted to do. Sometimes people choose stuff because it's the right thing to do. It's the best thing to do. I have to do it. This says that he wanted to. And that it gave him and gives him great pleasure. wow. He he's enjoying this. He enjoys the mess. It's, it's difficult to bring somebody into a family, like even a newborn that that's naturally born from a mother and a father. Like this is a crazy thing that happens and there's all kinds of stuff that goes around it. And, and God says, I enjoy people coming into my family. And I take great pleasure in adopting you and you and you and you and you. Right? And it says, so then we, verse 6, why do we sing on a Sunday morning? That might be unusual to you or or the types of songs we do and the words that we use. It's so that we praise God. It says in verse 6 that we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us. Simply praising him. God, I, I thank you for what you've done. I'm so glad that you have decided to love me. Thank you. You're amazing. I love you. You're, you're awesome. That's, so we praise God. We can do it by talking about him, but one of the ways that makes it easy for us is to, is to sing to him. And when a group of people are singing God's praises to him, it's a powerful experience, and you should, you should hopefully you should feel your spirit interacting in those times. And if, if you're starting to kind of like, man, what's going on around here? Just press in. Just try to, try to lean into it. And, 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 and just tell God what you're thankful for so far that you know about him. If you're, if you're new in faith or you're still figuring it out, like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here today. God, I, thank you for my life. Thank you for the things you've put in, into my life. And, and you just begin to tell him how amazing he is. But then listen to verse 6 again. It says, so we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. To us who belong. Wow. I belong somewhere. There's a table for me. Do you see where I'm going with this? like, God wants us to breathe this like to us who belong. We're in. That's what this is saying. Like, I just need to receive this. I, I didn't have to come up with uh, my own ways of getting this. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to write a big check to the razor roof thing. Man, I'm being subliminal about that today. No, I didn't have to change some baby's diapers down in the nursery, which we could definitely use help there too. But I, did, but I, didn't, I didn't have to go to church 20 times in a row without myths and a Sunday. That'd be cool too but I don't I just receive this to us who belong can you breathe that in for a minute to us who belong and the challenge for us here as a church and being a church and being you know what we are is that so many people are anxious about coming in the doors of a church right like i grew up going like forced to four times a week like i took my baths there like i mean it was like let's let's just let's just move in if they were open we were there but at some point i had to choose it but i can recognize it that a lot of people and because I've, I've talked to a lot of people they're like oh no no that's that's not like you i don't really fit there uh it's, it's no i am i you you grew up around that i've had that told to me like you fit i don't fit uh, lightning is going to come if i like god i don't belong there like god might think let me tell you the truth i can remember trying to 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 blend in with different groups and uh i'll just refer i'll go back to the skater days Who had and tried to use a skateboard in the 80s or early 90s? Who hurt themselves really bad? Yes. So there was like a brief moment in time where I thought that like I might like want to be a skater. Can you guys picture that? Like, I bought the thrasher magazines you know I had a friend that had a vision t-shirt you know I didn't cuz you know but like I wanted this and so I remember asking for a skateboard Now I'm gonna make my parents feel bad but that's okay they spoiled me they did more than they should have for me now when you ask for a skateboard at that age it's because you want something like, like that like a real skater would actually use I got like a veriflex which if you don't know what that is that means it came from like Meyer, right, and uh, and uh perfectly good skateboard that my, you know, parents did their hard-earned money on, but like it wasn't a Powell Peralta, like, you know, like, it wasn't, I'm, if I said gibberish just now, it's because I just know a little bit of terminology, and, and so I knew that I couldn't go up to the group of skaters on my Veriflex with my color-coded matching knee pads, and no. Why? Because we don't want to be a poser, right? That was the word used in the skating circuit, poser, which comes from a French word, poseur. but I'm going to, I'd sound like a poser if I said it the French way, so you get poser. I didn't want to be that. I liked a lot of different things, but I was excluded from groups because I wasn't all the way that group. I wasn't all the way that group, and so I'd have a friend that was a football player, but Lord knows, like, If you just need somebody to, like, block some people, like, I could do that. Uh, But, you know, I would try to do different things, but I never really quite fit in different places. And so people stay out of the church because they don't want to be a poser. They don't want to be, like, this isn't the place for me. But can I tell you who a real church poser is? It's someone who comes in like this. Hello, brother. Hello, sister, how are you doing on this blessed fine day that the Lord God has created for us? Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. I'm so glad to be here. My life is good. My kids are holy, 4.0, all three of them. And uh, by golly gee, we're just thankful that you're here today. And how are you doing? And if the other person is a poser Christian, they say, I'm doing fabulous, brother Bob, because my kids and this and this and this and this and let's just go sit down and let's just go sing our hymns and let's put our our money in the plate and let's hear a good word from the reverend and then let's walk out the door. Where our kid is really dealing with depression, where the father's dealing with pornography, the mother's dealing with depression, and the kids are a mess, the family's a mess, the dog's head spins around, and nobody knows one side from the other. There was a preacher I grew up here and said, "See, so you either say amen or oh me. Like you, like, it's a, that's what a real Christian is. A real Christian is somebody who I've got struggles in my life. I'm coming to the Lord because I need a Savior, not because I need a nice place to sit and sing songs with other people. I've got better things to do. But if I can come to a place where I can open up with somebody about what I'm struggling with and where I can receive prayer for the physical ailments I'm going with and somebody will walk alongside with me with the things that I'm going through and I can come in here and I can be real, then I'm interested. And so I don't want fake people here. It doesn't do anybody any good. Because those same people that put on the fake smile are really useless to help the people that want to get something done because they don't know how to talk about it with anybody. And so there are people on the outside that are, "Ah, I'd like to go, but I don't think there's a table for me there. It's not, ugh. So we have to build that bridge and say, you fit here. And if you don't fit exactly in this church, then you might fit somewhere else. Like that's there's a reason why there's twenty some churches in Pickerington, and a lot of I think they're all great churches. Like like there's a place, and and so you might be more comfortable somewhere else. I'm not asking you to try like, but it doesn't surprise me when someone says I've been to a few places and I've come here. It's not because we're extra awesome. I think we are really awesome, but I also believe that there's a church for every person. And that there's no reason for anybody to be without a table, right? So the rest of the story is, that time in my life, and and I appreciate the sympathy, was that the reality was that I still was just, I look back now and nobody really rejected me at school. And there probably were a few tables that I probably could have sat down at. But my fear kept me from engaging with people. But I had found a place that I was comfortable and it was that youth group. And so right around uh, eighth, ninth grade year, um, just started going and and I found my table. And my encouragement to you today is Because I hear this from somebody, they'll they'll come in and they'll enjoy the Sunday morning experience, but they don't really fully engage with the other people there. And so basically what happens is it's real easy for them to leave. And so I'm not saying this just so that we hang on to you, although that's valuable to me, it's more important to me that you would find relationships that you could really be yourself with. Because as honest as I want to be here on a Sunday morning... It still doesn't touch what can happen at a home group or out to dinner with somebody else. And so when I show up at the Bender's last Monday night, Doug and Shauna, amazing people. When I show up at the Bender's last Monday to teach and nobody else shows up. Huh.
1: Huh. Things that make you go, hmm. Another 90s reference. What?
0: If you're in your 20s or 30s, <clears throat> you know, maybe go to the young adult dinner Friday night. If you want to just be loved on by some people and learn about the Bible, show up on Tuesday night. If you want to do a deep dive on, on what we're teaching here on Mondays, if this, if this series is meaning something to you, April's going to be going deeper on this message tomorrow night at the Bender's house. And what I'm saying is is at some point you have to sit down at the table. And that's where the conversations happen. That's where the relationships open up and you'll start to share life together and start to live alongside. And so so I tell you that is that I I was okay and I got through school because I had a table somewhere else and as much as I and I can see now that I probably could have there. And I'll, I'll hear stories of people that will just kind of be on the surface at church and like, I really don't connect with anybody. Do you really talk to anybody? Like, that's, one, that's my pushback. Like, I, I feel like we do a pretty good job of connecting with people. And I guarantee you that if you show up at something in this church, you're going to be loved on. And if you're not, tell me and I'll whoop on some people. In, in love but that's our heart here it's not just a, a fancy slogan to say welcome home like we have a spot for you i want to read a poem to you the fear of not belonging there's always that moment when you feel as though you're about to break as if you're slowly crumbling to pieces and no one bothers to pick them up and rebuild You have no one to trust, no one to turn to, not even yourself, for you know what you're capable of. So you're on your own, completely lost, yet you know exactly where you are. You've been here your whole life. This is where you walked past the little green gardens and the old church on your way to school. This is where you laughed and slowly died. You don't belong here. You're trapped. You need to get out and find yourself. You run, but in every direction is your worst fear. The fear of not belonging anywhere. So what are you going to do? Stay trapped? Or face your fear and live? The fear of, belo- of not belonging leaves us without peace. It leaves us like the metaphor says, like a rolling stone. Just moving from thing to thing. If you've been at five churches in the last five years, if you've been at five jobs in the last five years, if you've had five different close friendships in the last five years, if, you've, if you're on your third or fourth marriage, I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm challenging you to look at where God wants to heal you. Because there are real hurts that are going to come from other people. There are terrible people at every place you go to work. There's pain, and and there are people that are just as broken as you, and and they'll mess you up. But if you have the fear of not belonging, then you are moving through life without peace, and, and you're actually going to push people away by proving in that area, or you're never going to find out if they accept you because you're hiding in that area. We don't achieve to get peace. So peace isn't on the other side of a promotion. Peace isn't on the other side of another marriage. Peace isn't on the other side of, of the kids getting out of, out of school. The kid, peace isn't on the other side of this or that or this or that. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus, and this word that we preach today says that we receive it we don't achieve it. Someone in this room needs to know that there's no leftovers from heaven for you. God doesn't just have scraps for you.
1: He has the very
0: best for every person. And we read that it gives Him great pleasure to do so. God is telling us today to take your place at the table you are home you belong here can we pray this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed what's god showing you today what's he showing you Do you see that you prove in this area? Do you see that you hide in this area? Have you been trying to achieve belonging? Father God says to receive it today. Around this room, just begin to say to Him I am home, I belong. I am home. I belong. I am home. I belong. And as important it is to me that people would feel home at this church, that's, not, that's just the tip. It's just the beginning. You're home when you are in Christ. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, We just read that God takes great pleasure in adopting new kids. If you're ready to cross that line of faith today, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus and being a part of God's family and receiving what you could never achieve, if that's you today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone all this morning, I see those hands. I see those hands. God sees those hands. He says you belong. He says you belong to me now. A simple prayer goes like this, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I've messed up in the past. I ask you to forgive me today. And I thank you that my sins are immediately forgiven. I thank you that I'm immediately righteous in your eyes. And that at this very moment, you count me as a son and as a daughter father god says welcome home you belong you belong can we stand and as we're standing this morning if you would with me just hold your hands in front of you it's just a gesture of receiving it's a gesture of surrender if you're not comfortable you don't have to if you're physically not able to please don't try But Father God, we are here before you, God. We thank you that we receive this. We thank you that we receive being a part of you and your family. God, would you help us to stop running, to stop chasing, to stop trying to buy the next great thing, to stop looking for peace in all the places that it isn't. And God, that we would accept it from you from heaven today. We thank you for adopting us and calling us your children. And God, as this verse has said, we are going to praise You for pouring Your grace out on us. As we sing our closing song this morning, we'll have people up front that want to pray with you. If you've made a decision for Jesus today or there's just something else on your mind that you want to talk with somebody about, please come up front for prayer. And if you've made any sort of decisions, follow up with our staff or go through Next Step Center. And uh, we want to help you walk on this journey God bless you. Let's sing.